Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. There is a difference between worshiping the Lord and abiding in His presence. Doug shared a message reminding us that as we prepare our hearts for intimacy with the Lord, we must get rid of the weighty and unnecessary baggage we often carry on the journey. Let go of the hurts of the past and don't believe the lies of the enemy. You are called and destined for greatness in Him. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. A few days ago, I had asked Pastor Jeff to send me a quote that really is very prophetic and a defining thing that God spoke to Pastor Randy years ago. And I think it's very significant because we're coming into Dwell 24, and that's even prophetic. But there's a difference between visitation and abiding. Because you're living worshipers who don't want God just to show up in a visit, you want him to abide in you. That's 24-7, 365, right? And I think there's something prophetic, but here's what God spoke to Pastor Randy years ago. Is it all right with you if your highest vision is to be my dwelling place? This place you call Houston Worship Center, I call my dwelling place. There's a significant difference between worship and abiding. In abiding, and the fact that it's a dwelling place is different than a worship center. We can come and worship leave, be moved by the worship. Saul was moved by worship. When King David was playing, he felt the peace of God. But outside of that time of worship, he went back to being his old self. But when you have the abiding presence, when you dwell in the house of the Lord, and it's his abiding manifest presence, it changes everything. And as I was watching worship today, because worship is awesome, and because it's not because it's just entertainment, it's not a presentation, I've been appreciating that it really is about this humble posture before a living God and the awe of God. That God is able to do things that would seem supernatural to us, but it's not supernatural to him. That he just wants to do it. He's a good father. When we ask for a piece of bread, he doesn't give us a stone. If we ask for meat, he doesn't give us a serpent. He wants to give his best. And and when I was thinking on the way here, I was telling my wife, I said, Lisa, I can't get this out of my head. And I'm doing the Jeff Needham thing, you know. I just feel led to kind of take this turn right now. (laughs) That's been very helpful because my wife goes, what are you doing? I'm I'm doing the Jeff Needham, just kind of. I feel like, just trust me, honey, just trust me, you know. I'll get to the direction I feel like God wants us to go is to really help us understand that this is a new day dawning. In a corporate sense, and I'm not talking about just because it's a new year, but I believe God doesn't move just in, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. He moves in seasons, but they're different than the seasons we think about. We are in a season where it's a new day dawning, and God's about to do some exciting, powerful things, but we have to let go of some things, too. Because we don't want to be weighted down with the things of the past. We need to be free for what God wants us to be a part of now. So I said, honey, but before I get into that, I just feel like you're supposed to look up a scripture while I'm driving. And the scripture in John chapter 14 about in my father's house. And in John 14, I won't read it right now, but in John 14, the first few verses, it talks about in my father's house are many mansions. And he says, basically, confia me, trust me. I know, and I'm preparing a place for you. 
And then he goes on to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father or the Father's house but by me. Now, we know in context that we're talking about salvation, eternity, but I want to bring it to a practical context for us right now. In my Father's house are many gifts. I think about the gift of worship, the gift of servants' hearts. I, uh, we were driving up and seeing Pastor Eric, and he's out there with his vest on, parking cars. I'm thinking, talk about the epitome of washing feet. While men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. The epitome that not thinking, I've arrived, so I don't have to do anything anymore. In fact, I was just thinking about even what happens in worship is what goes on behind the scenes in the place of the posture of the heart. What happens uh, all through the internship, what happens here at the Dwell 24 coming up, what happens at 10C gatherings, what happens in all these things is not what you see at the moment. It's all that's building into those moments that takes us beyond those moments so we can all step into our moments. So in my father's house, it's something about dwelling in the presence of God, in God's house, that gifts are released, multiple things are released, and his manifest presence begins to do the salvation, the healing, the deliverances, the, the healings. All these things take place as a natural outcome of dwelling in the habitation or abiding in his manifest presence. How many don't just want him just to show up once in a while? You want him to abide with you. I know a few years ago I shared out of Luke 24 about that, about the manifest abiding presence of God, but it starts with an invitation that we say, abide with us. In our road to Emmaus, in our journey, God, would you just abide with us? It's an invitation. God, I want you to abide. Dwell with us. And you've created that atmosphere here, and that's why God is moving in some significant and powerful ways that's not just touching this congregation, this city. It's multi-generational. It's, it's multi-ethnic. And what God is doing is touching now nations of the world as a result of that simple obedience. And pastor, to hear that word saying, I don't want just to be a worship center. I want to be a dwelling place. And there is a significance. We can come to worship or we can say, God, we want you to dwell, abide with us. We invite you to abide with us. And creating and allowing him to change everything, to restructure everything for that place of his environment. Amen? Amen. And then something Pastor Randy said while you're up here, and just struck me because I've been writing an article uh, for a magazine, it comes out in the February issue. But they wanted me to do a series, and the first part of the series is Christian Samurai. And I was sharing with them, I said, look, you know, there were actually real Christian Samurai, not just a metaphor for us that we can be like, you know, Samurai servants, you know, for the king. And when they were persecuted, they really had an internal conflict because their whole sole purpose in life was to serve and to protect the emperor, their lords over them, and they had a Bushido code of honor code, or what we would even call the virtues of Christ when we think about it. When I look at the Bushido code, the ways of the warrior, and all the virtues of the samurai that they honored, even their enemies if they lived by certain moral codes and virtues, that most of those Bushido code virtues are biblical. And when I begin to process and research, I found out the huge Christian influence in Japan hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and that came before 
a lot of the Shintoism and Buddhism and all these things, that it came after Christ. And so the influence of Christianity in a culture that they may not even recognize still lives out today in certain virtues of a culture. But one of the things when they had to go underground in some regard, when some Christian samurais were being persecuted because of a shogun, you could tell them by the way they wore their samurai garb that they were Christian. So they became known as Hanare Christian. And that means set apart, separated. And they knew that they had to make a decision to be first and foremost set apart to the king of kings, separated for his service. And it was a difficult place because they grew up in these virtues of the Bushido Code to honor the emperor, honor the shoguns, honor the different people over them. And yet they had to hold on to their virtues, but they had to redirect what those virtues represented into serving the king first, being set apart for the Lord. And that's really what you're about to enter into. You've been doing, but I think even times where we have a, a shot in the arm, it's a place to be reminded that we are set apart for the Lord. We're separated unto God. I'm going to be back in Australia in about a month or so. In the mid-1980s, I was speaking, and God just showed up. A revival broke loose in Bellarine Peninsula of Australia. I was a young whippersnapper. I'm still young, but back in those days, I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and God just showed up. But not in a typical way. It was because God began to move in words of knowledge, words of prophecy, acts of compassion, but also working in supernatural ways. And, and so we began to see Baptist churches, Assembly of God churches, uniting churches, Methodist churches, Church of Christ. God was doing something amongst them all that we, it just happened supernaturally to where you couldn't even walk down certain roads in downtown areas of, of where I was without people knocking on the window saying, please come in, because it was on the papers. I didn't know how to handle all that. I was just a young guy thinking, what is with all this attention? And free Italian food, oh yeah, I'll take some more of that, and <laughs> speak to my staff. But I remember during that time, I also went through the season where I was going through a lot of spiritual attack. Have you ever been under spiritual attack? The devil starts to lie to you and say, is that even worth it? What are you doing? And I was thinking about that then. I remember going out to this beautiful place, the Great Ocean Road, and there's a long road, and you have all they call the, the apostles. It's these, these pillars that, you know, they're standing out in the ocean there, and these big cliffs. And I remember one sunrise, I went out during a sunrise, and I looked up, watched the sun come up. I could feel the wind beating on me, standing on that cliff, looking down. And one thing the devil was trying to say, why don't you just jump? It's not worth it. Who cares anyway? I'm thinking, where did that come from? And I had no idea where God wanted me to go for the future. I was a young guy just trying to obey God. Just said, here I am, Lord, use me. And having to lead a guy to the Lord from Australia that was well-known. And next thing I know, I'm in Australia and God's moving. And I mean, that's a whole different story. But I'm, I'm standing there and God's moving in some significant, powerful ways. To, the, to this day, multiple churches and, one of the, and the most significant, largest Christian television network out of Australia, all those were birthed out of those moments. And I remember standing there, and right when the enemy was trying to tell me, you might as well just jump, nobody cares anyway. Is it worth it? And I began to weigh out all these things. Well, at least back at home when I was in the business, you know, I was making some money, and now it's all in my faith, you know. <laughs> Trusting God, you know. 
how am I going to pay for this trip, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm just forgetting the gloriousness of what God is doing, and I'm thinking more in terms of how am I going to, what am I going to do? I was hoping that, Luke 24, and forgetting this incredible privilege of his abiding presence that was doing something beyond what I could ever comprehend. And who would have ever known that all these decades later that it was still spreading across the world from those moments. In that voice telling me to jump, the wind's blowing, the, you see the water and the waves and the oceans hitting the cliffs and, and it was just a magnificent moment except for that part. And I begin to look up and I saw the sun begin to come up, a new day dawning. And I'm sure you've had those moments where you've been to a beach, you've been somewhere, and early in the morning you watch the sun rise. And isn't it magnificent, the beauty of God's creation? And it gives you a sense of a new time, a new beginning, a, a new sense of what's about to happen that day. It's just something that just wells up in you. I can tell you, after 43 years of saying yes to God, it's worth it. It's worth it to have people come up and say, I just want you to know, you don't know who I am, but I just want you to know, I was the guy that was demon-possessed that tried to strangle you in front of all those people at that crusade, and God used you to bring deliverance in my life, and I'm serving God today. I just want you to know, my wife used to be in a witch coven, and you prayed, and you saw deliverance happen. Today, I'm the pastor of a such-and-such church in Australia, and I just want you to know, that's my wife. I said, you owe me, buddy. You see, sometimes we don't know it's worth it because we haven't had the track record of abiding with him and he and us to have those stories. But I have to encourage you, the stories are coming. The stories are there. And the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finish of your faith, the Father's house is full of mansions and extra rooms and gifts and places and stories that are part of your life that you may not see right now. But there are multitudes of people being impacted by your agreement individually and corporately to be a house of his presence, a dwelling place. Go with me to Isaiah 43, a new day dawning. I think of Isaiah 43, but I also think of Philippians 3, 13 and 14, where it says, lay aside or put aside those things that are weighty from behind you and press in towards the reward that's before you. Press into the Lord. And this is that time I feel like it's important for us. It's a pressing in, not in a cumbersome way. I've been sharing the last few weeks, I really sense we're in a season of evangelism, but it won't be our typical way of having to be cumbersome. We're trying to, to being labor conscious. It's not something difficult. God's going to do the evangelism. He's getting everybody ready. And I believe we're in a season where scales are going to start to come off of people's eyes, where you've been saying, don't they see it? I mean, evil has become good and good is it. But I believe we're in a season where the things are going to be happening, where God's going to start taking the scales off of people's eyes. They're going to wake up. They're going to want to get saved. And the question is, are we ready to harvest and disciple them? So it won't be the typical old school, like I was out in the streets, you know, all night long and talking to people and people spitting at me, punching me, shooting me. I've been shot at two or three times. One time I was on a TV show as a guest and with another guest friend of mine, and we were just talking and how uh, I said, remember that time somebody shot a BB gun or something, went by our heads, and we were at Lower West Timer, and he goes, a BB gun? He goes, Stringer. That's my last name, Stringer. 
He goes, I pulled a 22 slug out from the place where your head was, right by your head. I go, you're kidding me. It's on live TV. You're kidding me. Thank God I didn't know at the time. I'd probably be, you know, try to act tough. I wouldn't be so tough at that moment. But we have to let go of even the good things, let go of the weighty things. You know, when you think of Jack LaLanne, when he was 70 years old, he pulled 70 boats with a person on each boat with his hands tied, and he took them across the San Francisco Bay towards Alcatraz. He was like the exercise guru from back in the 60s, right? And so even every year in his 70s, he was trying to do something significant, a great feat. I thought doing, you know, the amount of push-ups for my birthday every year was a big deal. I'm thinking, yeah, what have I done, you know? <laughs> but here he is pulling 70 people, 70 boats with his hands tied, trying to just pull like this, and he does it. It would have been easier, obviously. He was intentional, but it would be easier if you start taking the weight off. And for us, most of us are carrying a lot of weight. And we're wondering why we're not walking in the fullness of his presence and being used by God. It's because we continue to pull the weight of wounds and hurts and unforgiveness. We're carrying the wounds of maybe what somebody has done. We carry the wounds of Ezekiel and Jeremiah where it says that the children's teeth are set on edge because the fathers ate of sour grapes. And the point that God was making was saying, it doesn't matter what happened before. It doesn't matter what your dad or your parents or other people have done. Don't use that as an excuse for why I have you right now. Let go of all those, I wish that, I could have done, if this and if that. I was, grew up dysfunctional because my family was dysfunctional. You can make all those reasonings, but in Christ, you're a new creation in Christ. It's a new day dawning. It's a new day. No matter what the devil's tried to do to lie to you that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not smart enough, you're not good-looking enough. You, we're always thinking of something that's going to make us better. Like the old adage, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. We've got to get past those things and renew our minds, Romans 12, renew our minds by the washing of the Word. The more we spend time in corporate times of worship, corporate agreement, because agreement's a place of power, that place of staying in the word corporately and privately, that we ask God's abiding presence, we invite that presence, not just a visitation. He, he's not a visitor. He wants to abide in us so he can work through us. And the more we do that, there is a corporate release that takes place. It's not what the weight of the past, and so many of us carry that weight, don't we? Even if we say that we're free, we love the Lord, we come, we come to worship, but the reality is we hold on to a lot of things that keep us back. I like what David Wilkerson said in his book, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? I can't remember anything else in this book that I read except for one main point. It's always the wrong person on the cross. Jesus was the wrong person. He didn't deserve to be there, but he went there for us that we might be saved, healed, liberated, and delivered. But how many of us, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, he's not saying take up his cross, take up your own burden, take up your own cross and follow me. What he's saying is, follow me isn't always going to be easy. But he said, sometimes we take our cross and somebody hurts us, does something to us, we get offended, and we stay at that moment on our own cross. And we never move past that moment because we're still stuck in that hurt and that lie in that moment. When God is saying, I set you free from that, let me deal with those folks. 
And the very person or the people that hurt you, they don't even remember what they did. They've gone on with their life. And then you start getting worried. You go, how can they be so sick? Well, look at them, and I can't believe it. It's because they, have no, they haven't lived their life in that moment where we have left ourselves there and never moved forward. It's a new day, dawn. We have to let go. It's, it's laying aside those things from behind, the birds of the past, the weights of the past. Say, God, do whatever you do. Do work in me so I can move freely into what you have for me because, God, I want to be a part of this harvest and this place of discipleship, and I want to be a part of this, uh, this corporate anointing of your abiding manifest presence because I believe I'm part of that generation that you have called upon for a time such as this. The Lord says, I shall do a new thing. Do not remember the former things or consider the things old. Behold, I do a new thing. Now shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Dallas Holmes, I'm aging myself and Pastor Randy. But when his wife went through cancer and we ended up doing something with Reinhardt Bunky up in College Station, and I remember Dallas Holm got up and sang a song. He did a rendition of it and wrote it out of Psalm. And uh, he said, this is the first time I'm going to sing this song in a long time. He said, because when my wife went through cancer, I just couldn't come to sing this song. This is before Reinhardt got up. The song is based on, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed beg for bread. The reason we need his word, we need his manifest presence is because when the devil begins to say, who cares? Just jump. What are you doing? It doesn't matter. You have the word to hold on to that says, whatever situation, we can let go of those burdens and say, I'm not living there. I'm free to move on with God. I'm who God says I am. It's a new day dawning. Oh, magnificent. I was in Indonesia. We'd be in a different place like Mount Bromo and, and doing different ministry after the, uh, the riots and the Asian economic collapse. And I had a team with me and we'd wake up in different places early, early in the morning to get moving. And all of a sudden, you'd look out and the sun would begin to rise. In Zimbabwe or Botswana, wherever in the world I've been, all these, golly, 50, 60 nations, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of being in these last 43 years that I could have never done in my own imagination, but God, by saying yes to him, by being hanare, set apart, separated unto God, by asking him to invite his abiding presence, not because of what I thought or what I hoped, but because I trusted him. Confie in me, trust in me, believe in me, have faith in me. And that's the most difficult thing is in our humanity is to trust God. We can have the faith of a mustard seed that can move a mountain. But it's another thing to trust him. As we set our hearts in order to say, God, this is a fresh time. I want to renew that place of being set apart for you. Then we can say, Lord, I trust you. Because as we do, we enter into this place free from our past, moving into what God's got. If God's move as powerful as he has already, think of what he's about to do individually and corporately as you enter into this corporate agreement together and dwelling in his presence. I'm not finished, but I'm going to quit because I feel like the Lord has done what he wants to do. But I'll leave you with this. Step into your moment. Let go of the past. 
God has a moment we're walking into now, a season, a hanare, to be set apart for God. And you don't have to compare with anybody else because in my Father's house are many mansions. There are many gifts here at Dwelling Place. There are many gifts amongst you. And the most significant, influential things I've been able to be a part of is not on the platform. I'm probably not that gifted on the platform. I'm just an Asian Forrest Gump. I show up in the picture, and I, sometimes I get to share, and I get the privilege of doing that. <laughs> but it's the unseen things that have been so significant to the people that God's allowed me to privately speak into their lives in private that thing that God's given me to be able to share with them the journey I've had that helps them in their journey. The things I'll never write about, I'll never be able to talk about, that's where the greatest things are. It's not about the platform. The platform is an external expression of what we get to be a part of, but it's what we do every day to be available, to be set apart for God, to be used by God, to let the waste of the past go so we can move into that place God has for us. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. His own special people. So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you, set you apart, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wow. Lord, thank you for the privilege. Lord, thank you for each and every one of us. It is a privilege that you have called us into this place. And it's a privilege to say yes to you. We trust you, Lord. We have faith in you, God, because you will not lead us astray. Regardless of what we've experienced, regardless of the things of the past, regardless of the disappointments, God, you're bringing us into a new day, a new day dawning, that in the midst of whatever we've been through, whatever we go through, whatever we might go through, God, we know that standing on that cliff, we can look up and see the sunrise, the marvelous, glorious sunrise of God, the brightness of the S-O-N of God, the Son of the living God, and you illuminate our lives. God and your glory is manifested and we get to join with you what a privilege to join with you with what you have already determined you want to do in and through us we say yes God we say yes God we say yes in Jesus name let me ask you a question Is I want to encourage you to pray some of the scriptures that I pray on a regular basis because I need it for me. Here's some of the scriptures I pray pretty regularly because it's, I want to keep a clean heart and a right spirit and a sharp and stable sound mind. So I'm not going to ask you to read it right now, but when you get a chance in your own devotion, would you go back to Psalm 51, verse 1 through 15? It's where David's crying out. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And so I'm going to break down a few points. I'm going to ask you to pray in preparation for Dwell 24. He says, blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my iniquities, my, my avons, the iniquities of my heart. Three, cleanse me. Four, purge me. Wash me. Make me here. I put this in highlights for me. Make me here joy and gladness. 
I don't want the cuff half empty. I want the cuff half full. I want it in the midst of whatever I'm going through. I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be a murmurer. I want to be one who sees the best in people. I want to see what the best through the circumstance. I want to see the best of God's provision in my desert times. I want to be able to keep my focus right. Make me hear joy and gladness. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast or right spirit within me. You know, I can... Asian culture, you have public face, private face. We can all put on a compensatory facade. We compensate on the outside. We look like we're smiling inside. But I want my insides to be the same. Renew a right spirit within me, God. And I love this. I pray this every morning. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, I don't want to forget that moment. Uphold me by your generous spirit. God is extravagantly in love with us. He's generous to us. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Deliver me from bloodshed so my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall go forth with your praise. Would you take time just to pray through Psalm 51? And also ask God to help you to let go of the burdens and the weights that have kept you back from God's destiny for you. This is a new day dawning. It's a time to step into a moment. It's time to step in to what God's about to do, and you get to participate with God. Amen. I've never heard you share that story about the bridge before. I've heard you a few times. And we've been praying, and there's been waves of just praying for people not to quit. And, and then again, even in pre-service prayer, we prayed against suicide before, before you were there. So I just feel any of that heaviness, anything that would stop, even in my heart, I was carrying that when I prayed against something that would stop people from worshiping. But could you pray for that now, too, for us? You know, each of us is a story that God is writing. A book, a movie, a kingdom film. And there will come those moments where the enemy will lie to you. And I want to encourage you right now, all these years later, and I'll still say it until the day the Lord takes me to be in his presence, is that it's worth it. And all the lies of the enemy have fallen to the wayside. And the lies that will continue to happen because I've learned in getting older and hopefully a little bit wiser that God has always been faithful. If you've been going through discouragement, it becomes a powerful drug. It keeps us from seeing clearly. If you're going through discouragement, if you're going through these lies and the burdens of the things of the past or people have said things that you held on to, I still have to laugh at things that were said to me when I was a child. I had somebody tell me because my ears were flat against my head, I'd never get married. You know, I actually believed that for a long time. Thank God, Lisa liked my ears flat on my head. That's why I had my hair long for a long time down the middle of my back so nobody could see my ears. But it's the silliest things that we hold on to that we imbibe into our spirit that are lies from the pit of hell. If you're going through a place of deep discouragement, depression, even the lies that somehow you can't do what God wants you to do because of the weights of the past, sins of the past, or disappointments of the past, or even pain of the past. If you're carrying those things, would you just, with me, just in all honesty, without having to say what it is, would you stand with me so I can pray for you? That you need a breakthrough because you've been carrying this place of discouragement and hurt, and you want to let those things go. Because God's about to take you to a victorious, glorious, magnificent future as this new day dawns for you. 
this is still your moment. It's a time such as this that God has for each of you. The ones that God wants to use the most, the devil tries to discourage the most. So just remember, when you're on your cliff, when you're on that place of challenge, when the devil's lying to you, remind yourself that God has a greater plan. He's not forgotten you because he is a good, good father. Would you pray with me? Put your hand on your heart and just receive this as I pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. And with empathy, I pray because there have been so many times in my life I wanted to quit. Times where, when before I was a Christian, I tried to commit suicide through overdosing, where I laid in the middle of highways, when I was doing crazy things because I've had that spirit of suicide and death in my heart. But God, I thank you, you protected me and delivered me so I could be a part of the things you're doing. I'm praying that for my friends right now, my brothers and sisters, that whatever they've been through, take off those burdens, those weights that have kept them back from being able to swim freely, to be able to serve freely. And God, those lies that have spoken to them, break off those things. We declare right now and come against those lies that have ever been spoken in public or private or to them directly. I pray for everything that's been weighting them down, that this is a new day dawning for them, that they would sense the joy and the gladness of God. They begin to experience that place of knowing that your manifest, glorious, abiding presence would never leave them. You'll never leave them to forsake them. God, that they don't have to be on their cross. They can just follow after you. They don't have to stay in that place of presence pain and burden, but Lord, that they can enter that place of knowing the sun is rising, that the brightness of your presence is in their lives, and they get to be a part of the glorious things you're doing in their generation and for generations to come. And everyone said? We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.